Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
you know, they may have had some underlying anxiety to begin with, but it really depends on your perspective, right? Politics is about perception. It's about the world and how you see, and the lens through which you see it. So if you're someone who is sort of left-leaning, you might find anxiety mm -hmm. in these words. And if you're someone who leans towards the right, you may find, you know, comfort in tough talk. Sure. So what about the people who do go to see a professional? Uh, do they just want to talk it out or do they want a pill that they can take until the end of uh, the Trump years? I find that people more often are more about pills than skills. You know, skills <laughs> require you to actually do the work and sometimes pills are a quick fix. But, you know, there are a lot of things you can do for anxiety that don't involve pills. You know, you could listen to music, you could meditate, you could do yoga, sort sort of the low-tech kind of stuff that works really well before having to give someone a pill. Uh, doctor, do you find that people who are more invested in politics are more likely to have anxiety when uh, somebody they don't particularly like is in a position of power? I think that's true on both sides, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. If you don't have an administration that aligns with your values and your viewpoint, it tends to make you anxious and sometimes, frankly, irritated. Mm -hmm. So just to summarize, once again, there, in the medical world, there is no such thing as Trump anxiety, right? It's sort of partisan pop psychology. There is no official diagnosis of Trump anxiety. There may be people who are anxious, but there's no Trump anxiety on a large scale and in any fish, official capacity anyway. Okay, you can't find it in a book today. Uh, Dr. Daniel nope. Bobert, psychiatrist, we thank you very much for joining us today. <clears throat> oh my God, our youth is fucked. Our youth is fucked. These, these, Josh, Valerie, I him, I, I, I just am at a loss of words in, in certain ways. I mean, the, the fact that our our country and our youth and our and people, it's not even youth actually, it's even, but the older adults that act like their children on the left are going to doctors for Trump anxiety? Are you kidding? Josh, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I think this goes past, you know, politics. This goes to, this is what happens when this last generation was taught that the government is their big mom and dad, you know, that's going to take <laughs> care of them and do everything yep. that they want to happen. Well, when, guess what? When all of a sudden there's somebody in there that is speaking things against what they believe and doing, you know, doing things against what they believe, they don't know what to do. It's, it's, and I, when they're taught that government is like God, when God all of a sudden quote unquote yeah. God now referencing Trump when God their God is all of a sudden doing a bunch of things that that they appall that's gonna I mean I understand why they could be technically distraught now obviously um, I, you can't really do anything but laugh at these people that would be going to uh, you know get looked at because they think they have Trump anxiety syndrome but this is the this is what we get from teaching over the last you know, my generation and before this millennial generation that the government is God. This is what you get. I mean, it's, it's snowflakes. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, I, I've never seen anything like it. Valerie, your thoughts. I feel like this is something that the Democrats or the liberals are creating. Anything that yep. they can do that's bad um, to uh, to uh, attach Trump's name to it, so that it continues yep, yep. to you know people in their minds they continue to think anything bad has is Trump, 
And this is just another yes. way of psychologically manipulating the public. Exactly. Um, and acting like it's some kind of disease. I mean, please. <laughs> They're trying to act like it's some sort of ADHD or bipolar disorder. They're trying to take it that – some doctors are trying to take it that seriously. And some of these people that are going nuts. And you know what I blame this on? Bad parenting. You see a parenting enabling these little, these little young punks to go out in the streets and protest and to be against Trump and to count on the government. Uh, you know, it's just, it's sick stuff. It, it's, and it's a, it, it's very sad. Agreed. And why, you know, you know, why would parents condone taking their children to get medication when like you, like they said it on the, on the script that you, that you showed, um, yes. you know, take, take responsibility for yourself and, and solve right. your own problems. Don't depend on the government or pills to, to do that for you. Right. And the fact they blame Trump for all their problems, it's beyond silly. This is, this is like something yeah. out, of a, this is out of a movie. This is not even reality. It's like fantasy land. You know, and, and let's not get this twisted. This, the, this is not, you know, children, you know, coming to their parents and saying, oh, this is, you know, I'm having problems. This, these are adults. These are people in college and that have graduated. Yeah. These are people in their early to late, uh, early twenties to late, you know, late and mid thirties that are having these problems. Um, and, yeah. and you know what? This is what happens when when parenting and when school has has come to a climax of of failure. This is what you. This is what you're gonna get. Yeah, and I want to welcome my special guest, um, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, radical Islam expert, New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and contributor to the Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Zet, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Dan Perkins, how are you, my friend? Welcome back. I'm good. And I, uh, thank you. And I have a new publication. I'm now being published on The American Thinker. The American Thinker. Okay, I will. I will read that mm-hmm. off the next time you are on as one of the contributors uh, that, that you're involved right. with. Um, so I, uh, I want to. Yeah, go ahead. I want to respond to the what I heard with uh, all of you talking. We're talking a few about Trump ago. derangement. We're basically talking about Trump derangement syndrome. We played a clip about, <clears throat> you know, kids are blaming their problems on Trump. You know, we have all the. the them go, they're going to psychiatrists trying to say they have Trump anxiety disorder. And, you know, we, we see all the, how this all got built up with the safe spaces and the liberal colleges that w- were created that are absolutely the, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. And just all of this right. nonsense. But, but, Dan, go ahead. I haven't, as you know, Roy, I many times talk with you from a different perspective. Yeah. So You're going to go a different route I'm on gonna, this. Is that, is... Yes, I'm going to give you a different perspective. The okay. perspective that I want to give to you and to your audience is, an indivi- is myself as an individual who has a foundation that serves the needs of veterans of the United States, specifically dealing with sleep deprivation, suicide prevention, and post-traumatic stress disorder. We have, we have over 110 facilities across the United States that we're working with veterans, males and females. 
and we have distributed almost 16,000 MP3 players free to members of the military. So I can speak to you with some degree of certainty about a problem called post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, we think of post-traumatic stress disorder primarily with the military from combat. But it is possible for battered women and abandoned children to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I believe what we're dealing with here in these people, snowflakes or whatever you want to call them, is, is a syndrome that has two pieces. And we've only ever talked about one. I'm going to tell you the second. I believe that we're dealing with people who have suffered a great deal of stress in the loss of Hillary Clinton to, to Donald Trump for the presidency of the United States. I, and I, I believe that there are... Every pro- time I hear that, every time I hear Hillary Clinton lost and Donald Trump's <laughs> our president, I mean, it's the best feeling in the world. I know. So what we have here is we have a, a, a group of people media included, who believed that Hillary yeah, Clinton not, was going to win. Real, qu- real quick, I want you to continue your point, but I do want to, if you don't mind, I want to chime in for two seconds. I think the mainstream media is most a lot to blame for what these uh, people are going through. Okay, but, but hear me out, because I guarantee yeah. you it is, it'll, make, it'll make sense to you. Okay. So I believe I believe that there are there is this group of people that we're talking about who are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder because Hillary Clinton, who lost the presidency, and we now have Donald Trump as the legitimate elected president. But here's the second half of the story, which is the most devastating part. That is that those people who are never Trumpers and didn't want to support Donald Trump, are suffering from a new depression. That depression, Roy, is that he's going to succeed. He is going to succeed. Yep. And so they have a whole... That's what they're terrified of because they they had this shock to their psyche that that she lost and he won, and they, they bought into the story that he, he was not competent, he was a buffoon, he had no idea what it was to be president of the United States. And so what he's done in less than two years of president, more and more people are beginning to say he's doing a really good job. Look what he's done to the economy and unemployment, how he's now changing yep. the trade tariffs, what he's doing 4. with international relations. GDP growth. Yeah, and so the point, is, the point is, and I just did a piece on that very issue on GDP growth, which I hope we have a chance to talk about because we will. it further we will. adds to the problem that this people. So we're dealing with a new form of post-traumatic stress disorder in these millennials and other people who were in, in, in bed with and committed to their heart and soul to Hillary Clinton. She lost, but now it's, it's 18 months later, 17 months, eight, whatever it is, almost two years, and now they're beginning to realize 
that Mr. Trump may have been a good choice, and they're going through another crisis again. And the reason think, why you can you, see, yeah, keep going. Let me sorry. finish. Yeah. The reason why I can prove to you that that's happening is what the Democrats are doing today and have been doing for months is a weekly soup du jour. What is the issue of this week? And it gets through this week, and they immediately look for another one. So they're spinning. Right. They're literally spinning their people around like tops, driving them crazy because there's another issue, another issue, another issue. And they never finish any of the one of any of them. So you've got all of these these tops spinning with all of the problems that are the the, the soup du jour of every week is driving these people insane. Because okay, we got the border, the two thousand children, they're disappeared. They're no longer worth headlines. Yeah. We're now working on whatever. Then it's Kavanaugh. Um, then it's Roe versus Wade. Then it's it's all these different things that they have started obsessing about. So can I get in real quick? Sure. Are you ready? It's okay. So here's what I yeah. think. I I just don't see this as PTSD, and I think that it's almost insulting to anybody in the military. You know, these people have gone through horrific situations of life and death. And mm-hmm. you know, actually, I was diagnosed as well for because I had I lost several members of my family at the same time. To compare that to some young people who can't handle loss because of election, to me, it's like it's giving them an excuse for their inability to cope with reality. And that's very different from a military guy in combat. Um, I just feel like because this generation has not been given the skills to stand up for themselves and they think they're entitled and everything should be taken care of for them, they didn't get the skills that they need for regular coping in life. And, you know, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. However, you, you, you have to agree with me that post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't just only affect veterans, battered of women, course, abandoned children, homeless people. I, okay, I do so, agree, but what I I'm don't saying, think I don't think I'm because there was an demean, election and people are disappointed that, that they can be diagnosed with it. I, I, I think the point that you're, you're, you're making is, is valid. I'm saying as somebody who's worked with thousands upon thousands of veterans, males and females, all across the United States, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, dealing with sleep deprivation, and dealing with suicide, uh, I, I, I'm not a doctor. By no means. I'm a person who tries to care. But if you look at the reaction that you see sometimes with, with people who are suffering from acute post-traumatic stress disorder, it is hard for them to function. function. That's yeah. because they've been through something horrific. That's very different than, oh, sorry, Hillary Clinton lost. You know, yeah, but, I mean, but to you're, me, there's you're, no comparison. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you because while it it may not seem like it's as devastating as a soldier in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever going through the traumatic experience of losing a buddy or losing an arm and leg and eye or all of the above in the in their mind in their mind it is just as debilitating 
because they cannot function as it is for a soldier who's who's been wounded in combat. Okay, so so not the then same, I would call it I would call it lack of ability to cope and depression and anxiety, but I wouldn't equate it with PTSD because I think it's a completely different bird. Completely different. Okay. You're, Josh, that's Josh, what, your thoughts. It's what's great oh, about... Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Dan. Keep I, going, Dan. I'm just going to say that it's, what's, it's great about what's great about the show that you're doing here is that we can have an honest open discussion and disagreement without yelling and screaming at each other and calling right. each other all kinds of names. Because <laughs> they're another thing that, 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 that's the another thing that they, the they We are. But but what I'm saying is I'm trying to give a perspective uh to what I see and wonder and and I don't know I don't know. I would love to be uh uh, you know, I've I've been through stress of losing a, a my parents and just recently lost a brother-in-law. I just found out I have another brother-in-law who's got stage four lung cancer. So you know, I I have that death stress in my own family, and uh, and it's and it's it is overwhelming at times trying to deal with 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 death and what it does to you as a person. Uh, my my wife's sister in law whose brother uh, her brother was just diagnosed with stage 4 cancer the woman said to Jerry on the phone yesterday i can't understand why our lives were destroyed in a matter of days and we're now totally different people just trying to survive day to day knowing that eventually tom is going to die these people who are so emotionally invested in the election now have to deal with the possibility that not only were they wrong, but the man could be a success. And, and, and we don't, you're right. You're absolutely you're right. correct. We do not teach people to cope with adversity in their lives. We don't do that. And, and the reason why we don't do that, and I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I can't remember your Valerie. name. Valerie. 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 You know, you have a wonderful voice. You're a terrific lady. But but it, it does, sometimes there are life-changing events that that we on the other side of the table, and you affiliate, you have been affected by PTSD because of issues in your life. But I, I really believe that one of the reasons, and uh, I've, I've never said this on your show before, but one of the reasons why I think this generation of people have the problems they have is because they have no spirituality in their lives. There is no God in their lives. And they are alone because they can't solve all their problems and they don't know where to go. And I do put, as Valerie, I do agree with you, and, and Roy that it's a matter of parenting. Uh, if the parents did not instill a belief, a religious belief, whether you're Jewish, Christian, it doesn't make any difference. If there is no spiritual foundation in your life, you're going to flounder. You're absolutely going to flounder. And that's why you're so susceptible to, to these situations because you don't have a Christian or a value-based, really more than anything else, a value-based foundation. And so when adversity comes, where do you turn 
to get comfort and solace. You, there is no place for you to go. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely here, right, Josh. You mind, here, Rory, you mind if – yeah, just, yeah, to, yeah, just yeah. To, honestly, I agree with both of you, and, and here's why. Valerie, I think everyone on this call would agree that the fact that someone could perceivably get PTSD uh, or similar symptoms from a Hillary loss and a Trump election is ridiculous. Yes, I think we all agree with that. But I, I, like I stated before, I think a lot of these people legitimately believe, and like, and like you were just saying, Dan, these people think that the government is what's going to take care of them. When the government lets them down, it's like a god letting them down except they can see it. You know, we, when we think of if God lets us down, it's like a, uh, if we think God let us down, it's, he's still, we, in our minds, he's still away from us. You know, he's in another place, even, you know, whether, no matter what your religion you believe, then you can cope with that. But when you see that thing physically, you're looking at it, you saw it get elected, and then you see it letting you down day after day, that I, I think that can really mess with you. So I think you're both, I think you're both, hundred percent right, uh, just in your own in your own ways there. And I, you know, this this has this has a lot. I mean, I think education has helped cause this. I think poor parenting has helped cause this. Um, and I think the la- the lack of God in this country has also helped cause helped cause this. Uh, and it's you know it's something that honestly it's gonna, it's something that we're gonna have to grow grow through as a country. I, I just hope that the generation after is going to be a little smarter. Hopefully they'll look back and see this as well as hopefully these parents will teach them to do something else. Obviously, who knows? Um, but, you know, we're all in the dark right now. They should make, history books. They should make history books on how stupid comment. this generation is. I don't they think this will. generation is stupid. I think that we um, are giving government too much credit. People want to do their own thing, and government in general isn't, you know, on their minds every day of their life like it is here in Washington, D.C., where I am. I think people are going about their lives, and, you know, government, they'll hear a media story, it's in the background, whatever, but, but it's not the focus of their lives. And if, if they can't get over the fact that the election is, is over at almost two years later, then they have more to deal, they have more problems than you yeah. know, PTSD well, or, you know, depression. I mean, this that's way beyond. they got to get with the program. What, Maybe they need to think about themselves and do some soul searching and come on over to the Republican Party. You're, you know, you're absolutely right, but here's the thing. If, if, if you grew up reading history books where everything good happened because of the government, the history books don't talk about, you know, capitalists creating a product and selling it and making the world better because of it. They credit everything to the government. And if you read that, everything good comes from the government. And I know that they're not thinking about these things constantly, but I don't think a Christian thinks about God constantly either. It's just kind of like your background things that you believe in. So just because they're not thinking about it constantly, I think it still affects them to, to the same extent. This is what they think. This is what they think without realizing it. That's their God. The government is their God. Everything that is good, they have been taught that has come from government. That's what these kids are taught these days. Well, I think what's being taught in your now is they're changing history to make us look like the bad guys. You know, they're changing it so that everybody else is good and we're bad. 
Right. That has nothing to make, do with um with with the government as God. It has to do with make, the, the real liberal viewpoint of you know of socialism that that we're not that great and that you didn't build that. You know everybody else helped you build that. Right. No. I mean, that's no good. good. And let's face it, we wouldn't be anywhere today without capitalism. Capitalism is what made America. Capitalism is the American dream. Capitalism is the answer. And when people bitch and whine about capitalism, then they go drink their Starbucks coffee. They need to shut the fuck up because how do you think Starbucks got popular and big? They did capitalism. Every company is capitalism. And then these people that shop at these grocery stores, they're shopping for a capitalism company. I mean, come on. Get it, get right. it straight. You know what I mean, Dan? But the, but yes, but the other, the one, one other point, and then we should probably move on. Uh, one other point yeah, is we are, we need to, we need we to, are, we have more, a lot more segments. Okay, yeah, I, I just want to say that that what we are seeing is the fruit of the harvest of political correctness. I agree. That's what's really going. That's what's going on here. Yeah. Is the fruit, the harvest of political correctness. And, yeah. and that we have become – the world has become politically correct in making its decisions, and it doesn't take into consideration God or other people or anything else. It considers no, what logic. It, it's just – yes, <laughs> you're right. Okay, let's move on. But, no, to kick – Dan, I mean, this is – you know, this is something that needs to be fixed. I mean, it's – and slowly it will. I mean, we, before Obama, we never saw any of this political correctness bullshit or any of these whiny people in the streets with their pussy hats on and, you know, doing all this weird stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just it's, – it's got out of control. It's out of, con- it's out of control. Um, it's out of control, but it has to – I believe – it's going to have to continue through a cycle yeah. when the left is going to ultimately, at some point in time, I can't tell you when, realize yep. that yep. They're, they're, they have been absolutely duped and they're, they, they, they have ruined their lives and lives of lots of people by what they've said and what they believe. But that's I mean, a you- the price they're going to have to pay. Yeah, and have you noticed? Hopefully, that'll be the day after the election. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it, oh, they, oh, it will be. Well, they're gonna and have, have you? Have you? They're gonna have. Have you noticed? Oh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. I'm just gonna say they're gonna have another wake up day. I've written about this. They're gonna have another wake up day on the November yep. elections this year because that's right. The, the blue wave. It, the, the the same people are going to be sitting at the same sets at the same table. And they're going to be asking the same question that they asked about 2016. What the right. hell happened here? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see another book, What Happened, another kind of Hillary Clinton book about the midterms. I mean, these people are so oblivious <laughs> to reality, and they just think they have it right. in the bag. Because, because they make liberal TV, they edit it so much to make us Republicans look bad, and then their audience, the liberal audience and the liberal sheep buy into it, and they actually think that the world, the, the world, you know, President Trump is doing all these awful things, but in reality, mm-hmm. all these pe- there's so many people that have woken up and seen the light. You know what I mean? Yes, every day, every day, every time, every time when we have Cortez 
saying what's Obama snubbed Obama, did you see Obama yes, yes. won't go near her? Yes, yes, because she's too she's too far left. But when she yes. says that the this is the this this is part of the syndrome, is that the 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 left cannot see. They can't see the mistakes that they're making. They right. cannot see that when Cortez says we should invade all of the ISIS offices around the country and all the Homeland Security offices and all the airports, she does, they can't see that the, Amer- the mainstream of the American people are not buying the story. And that's why they're going to get blown away again in, in November is because the messages from the left are driving people who didn't vote for Trump into the Trump camp and are going to vote Republican in November. And the Democrats do not see that tsunami, tsunami coming. Yeah. Oh, but we no, need to move oh, on, right? So true. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing about you know, I want to get to real quick, um, you know, the breaking news today, and I'm sure you've written about this and studied this because you, you, you've, you, you know, you're a contributor to all the major newspapers. Um, with mm-hmm. Trump's, Trump wants to meet with Iran, um, and he said he would even do it without any sort of, uh, you know, things in place. He would just go and, and do it, uh, you know, and improvise. He would just do it and just sit down with them just like normal. What, what are your thoughts? I want to hear – you know what? What you what you oh, know. The, what you have to understand about what he said today is, yeah. you you have to go back and listen to what he said yeah. and what he's been saying about Iran. And what he's been yes. saying consistently, which is what I've been writing and talking about, is that the yeah. government of Iran, the mullahs and the imams, are in serious trouble. Their government is falling apart. The people, economically, but the people are rejecting Islam because the mullahs and the imams, who are the government under the under the Koran, they they don't want it, and they see all the money that that 150 billion dollars was wasted. It didn't really benefit the people of Iran. So you have riots and you have protests all over the country. What Trump is saying to those people. Before today, I, I hear what you're doing. I hear what you're saying. We're, we, we encourage you. We support you. Uh, you have to do what you think is right for you. What he said today was that he's certainly willing, but, again, if you, you've got to, you don't have to read between the lines. Just listen to what he said. The deal was bad. That's why I pulled out, but I'm willing to sit down and talk to the Iranian officials to see if we can get a fairer and more appropriate deal. That's what he said today. That's why he would be willing to go and talk to them with no preconditions because he believes that he wants to stop the proliferation of nuclear weapons. That's what he's doing in, in North Korea. He wants to do the same thing with Iran because if he can get some concessions from the Iranian government on their nuclear facility, he much like he's trying to get Kim to down to, to downgrade his nuclear capacity, which makes that part of the world a little safer. 
if he can get the Iranians to do something similar with their nuclear situation, makes the Middle East more stable and safer. But you got to start with a dialogue. If you don't have any conversation, and but Roy, you have to understand. You have to understand. This is very important. Yeah. Trump, Donald Trump does not do anything without a specific purpose in mind. We may not we may not know what the purpose is right. until sometime later. But I take you back two Sundays ago. I think we talked about this on the last show I was on. When yeah. when Donald Trump sent out the, the full cap punctuated tweet message to the Iranian government, don't ever threaten America again, or the retaliation will be something you have never envisioned. He was basically setting up to say, just like he did with Kim, you want to screw with us, be prepared to get destroyed. Then he said, I'd be willing to sit down and talk with you. So you have to put Trump in pieces together. It's like when he, when he talked about the, the, the NSA at, at the Helsinki summit, and he took a lot of heat because he was condemning the, the, the um, national security people. Well, what did he yeah. do about two weeks later? He said, Brennan, Comey, they, all these people need to lose their security clearances because they're a risk to the American, American people. And so, but he set that up in Helsinki. But the, the news media wasn't smart enough to figure out that one was a setup for the other. They weren't able to figure out that his condemnation of Iran in all caps in a tweet, punctuated, was a setup for what he did today. They just don't understand because right. politicians don't operate the way Donald Trump does. And here's the thing. Nobody, we've seen it nobody for, operates we've seen it for, Donald Trump. No. And we've seen it for many, many years, his, his profound strategies and the way he can play the media and the way he has all of these skills, and he's dominated them. He defeated the media all by himself with everybody against him throughout the election, everybody hammering him. This man is, is – this guy is invincible. This guy is bulletproof. And I do want to say one thing that kind of factors into this. You know, and I don't want – I want to get to this topic, but I do want to stay on this for a little longer. But my theory, and I've thought long and clearly about this, and I do want to welcome our next guest, which is going to, who's going to love this topic, and I want him to chime in. But I've been thinking a lot about Michael Cohen and Trump and the tapes. And, you know, what it, what it came down to for me is there's a few things. Number one, I do not like Michael Cohen. I have never liked Michael Cohen. I've, I don't really think he's the brightest bird in the world. Number two, um, Obviously, we know Trump and him have known each other a very long time. My theory is this is kind of maybe a game just to twist the media the wrong way, try to play with their heads that think they got the smoking gun when in reality uh, they're just going like, to – do I have a point there, Dan? Oh, sure you do. Absolutely you do because I believe, uh, you know, Cohen is, Cohen is who he is. But it, yeah. it goes back to where we started this conversation now 35 minutes ago. Yeah. 
we have people who are who have been consistently in the media, radio, television, print, who are constantly looking for the silver bullet that will take out Trump. And, and it so never happens. Every time they see an op, it never happens. It never happens, but they never give up hope. And when they give hope, <laughs> give out hope. When they give up hope, it probably will happen. But my point is, is is that the issue here is that Cohen. Whatever he did is past history. And I think that the telling story is that the latest story about supposedly him paying money through Cohen to this Playboy model or whatever she was, uh, right. didn't say she's a point star. But as, yeah. as, the, as the, the guy from, from New Orleans, the head of the of the, the Evangelical Christians said that happened a long time ago. He's made peace with his wife, and he's he's done things that have that have changed. So what happens is they're dwelling on the past because they have nothing on the current side, and the the yeah. American people are looking at the results today. They could care less about what happened fifteen twenty years ago. And that's right. That's where the difference is. The, for the longest time, and I've, and I've written about this and I've talked to you about it, is that the, that the biggest problem that the left has is that Donald Trump has never played with their playbook. The left believes, regardless of whether they control the White House or the Congress, they are always in power and that the right. Republicans have to kowtow to them. And Donald right. Trump has said no more. By the way, when is the last time anybody in this network at the moment on the air has heard anybody say from the Republican Party, I wish Donald Trump would stop tweeting? <laughs> we haven't love heard it. it. I love haven't it. heard it. Haven't heard it. Because they're now realizing yeah. that it worked. It, and, and he yeah, has it, it a the message conversation with his people. There's no, there's no intermediary yeah. to change what he's really saying. And that he's and, if he, and if he would have not have had that during the election, that was one of the Why things that helped one? him win because he could clearly That's get right. his uh, message out truly to the people so they knew what was going on rather than all this fake media trying to slander him with all this fabrications and different fake articles. But, but Roy, it's also – it's also why his base is so strong to him. Something like eighty-six to ninety percent are still active exactly. supporters, it, because yeah. the, the the tweeting capacity allowed constant him to updates. go against with not only constant updates but also to attack the media who was attacking him. And, exactly. and the Democrats it's a still tool. it is the fabulous tool. His Twitter universe is greater than all of the top ten networks, television networks combined. Yep. Sure. He's over a hundred yes. million. Quick, real quick, Rory, can I just say one thing about Iran? When we were talking yeah, about go ahead. Yeah, that, um, yeah, we'll go back to that real quick. Real yeah, quick. let's go back to Iran. I'll make quick. it real quick. I think yeah. that Trump is setting up a win-win situation because he can sit down and, and talk about what's going on. They still have their $150 billion, and they're never going to give it back. 
So that's already what's past is past. But either either they sit down and make an agreement or the people themselves, the grassroots Iranians, are going to rise up as they have been and unseat him anyway. So I think no matter what happens with those two scenarios, Trump wins. Yes, you're absolutely right. Good point. He either unseats them or the grassroots unseats him. And, right. Yeah, and I, I want to chime in on that as well. And, and uh, struggling so bad economically, you know, they, they need yep. us. They need Trump's help. They, they, they are desperate. I mean, they, they have no choice because, you know, and I really think if it comes to the war, if we're going to war with Iran, we got to take, I mean, we got to take their oil. We got to take all of their wealth. I mean, because you, with the point of going to war is we get, we get, make money out of it. But it, I think it could okay. come down to it because Iran is so stubborn and oppositional. But let me, let me. Let me go back to the very beginning of the show when you introduced me and you talked about yes. being an oil analyst. Yes. In on Thanksgiving Day of 2014. No, you're you're. I, I introduced you as an oil. I introduced you as an oil analyst. That's I, well, a foreign policy analysis, but you also invest in uh, in oil as well and natural yes. gas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so what happened on? I wrote that the weekend after the Thanksgiving in November of 2014 that OPEC yes. attacked the American oil industry by driving, driving production, which drove down prices. They bet their countries. Here is right. now, roll forward. Roll forward to today. What did Mr. Trump say when he pulled out of the Iranian deal? He said he's going to institute new and tougher sanctions against against Iranian oil interest. Iran is the third largest exporter of oil in the world. The day yep. after Trump pulled out of the accord, the, the refinery operators in Asia, who principally got their crude oil from Iran, had to start making alternative plans to get oil because most of Asia is 65% dependent on foreign imports of, imports of energy. Now, now, what country in the world has growing excess of oil and natural gas that they're beginning to ship all over the world? The United States of America. Yep, so what's going to happen is the war, the war that we're talking about isn't going to be planes and troops, the war is going to be, we're going to shut down the number three exporter of crude oil in the world, and we're going to use American oil interests to replace yep. that, and that will be yep. as devastating as a physical war to the Iranian <laughs> government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, stay on the line, Dan. I do want to welcome our next guest. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to have him on, criminal defense attorney. Former prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, and New York Times bestselling author David Shostokis. My buddy, how are you? Good to, good to have you on. It's great to be with you again today, Rory. I always enjoy it, and, and frequently I learn quite a bit. Sometimes it's just good to listen, and I've been hearing some real wisdom, uh, real wisdom here. I'll um, I'm gonna I'll, I'll chime in when the, when the time comes, but. 
at the moment, I'm uh, I'm learning a few things. That was just really an amazing analysis about how we can, uh, um, you know, he really is. There's always been trade wars going on. We just haven't been fighting until recently, you know. And so this is this is exciting stuff because the world needs us more than we need the world. Uh, so I'm uh, interested in listening right at the moment. So we'll. Um, it's great to be with you. And I'm uh, happy to uh, learn a few things right now. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's great to have you here. Uh, yeah, and Dan, uh, continue with what you're saying, though, Dan. So so what's going to happen is uh, Iran, Iran is going to be shut down. Uh, the United States is going to take over a good chunk of their market share. Uh, OPEC, um, one of the things that if you if you know anything about the energy business, there is one very important statistic that drives much of the energy sector, and it's called the RIG, R-I-G count, meaning how many drilling rigs are actually in operation around the world drilling for oil and natural gas. Before the attack in November of 2014, there were 4,000 rigs drilling in the world. About a week ago, Friday, Baker Hughes, who tracks all the rigs in operation, said there were approximately 2,000 rigs drilling in the world. Of the 2,000 rigs drilling in the world, almost 1,200 of them were drilling in the United States and Canada, and over 1,000 of them were drilling in the United States. Saudi Arabia, supposedly one of the largest reserves of oil in the world, only yeah. has 118 rigs drilling. And the reason why? They don't have the money to, to build new rigs, to buy new rigs, because the price of oil at $70 a barrel is still not equal to their lift costs and many other OPEC nations. Venezuela is now one of the largest deposits of oil in the world is virtually now out of the market there a net importer. Nigeria, very unstable producer. Uh, Iran's going to be out of the market. And so the, the whole OPEC energy cartel is collapsing because they don't have enough money to maintain their wells and their pipelines and go out and drill for new wells for to replace the depleting assets. But we have the ability... We're, we're going to, if we're not already there, we'll be at 11 million barrels a day, which would make us wow. the number one producer of oil in the world. And we're exporting. Now, think about this, Roy. We didn't, be, we didn't have the ability to export crude oil out of the United States until January of 2016. So in two years' time, we've gone from nothing to exporting 2 million barrels a day of crude oil. Wow. In two years. Unbelievable. So if, we, I mean, it... so if Mr. Trump is successful in getting the tariffs eliminated with Europe, Canada, Mexico, and China, yeah. The demand of, of growth in the world economy is going to be such 
that they're going to need more and more oil, and we're the place to get it. We're going to, we're going to have control of the world energy markets in our lifetime, first time in our lifetime. And, but we're going to do it honestly and respectfully. We're not going to use it like OPEC as a political tool. But yeah. Iran is in serious, serious trouble. I'll tell you, and there's no the glo- it sucks to be the globalists right now, but I continue, sorry. I'm just going to say, and there's nobody in the Middle East willing to support them. Nobody wants to play with if I, them. If I may ask, if you just said you're not going to use it as a political tool, but isn't uh, using it as a uh, leverage against Iran at the moment, using this uh, situation, isn't that exactly what's being done, using it as a political tool? No, what, what's actually being done is to try and change the nuclear weapon potential in the world. And you have two ends of the spectrum. North Korea, who has no real source of energy at all other than coal, right. and China has stopped exporting it, Mr. Trump right. knows that they need energy. We have the capacity. So we can bring a, we potentially can bring about change in government attitudes and attitudes concerning nuclear devices by using energy as an economic weapon to bring about change in government attitudes. The same opposite is true with with Iran. They have the capacity, but we're going to try and strangle their capacity to bring about change in their attitudes concerning nuclear weapons. Hey, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I had, a, I had a, a question real quick. Do you think that the way OPEC has handled itself in the past is the reason that some of this is happening? Uh, do you think, like, they basically hurt themselves, basically? They, they, as somebody once said, they read too many of their press clippings. Uh, you probably, I don't know that there's anybody on this phone at the moment, who's old enough, who was even alive when the Arab oil embargo happened with Iraq and OPEC in the mid-1970s. And it crippled our country because we were importing 65% of our energy need. And OPEC had control of the world economies by how, how it threw the switch on oil production and oil distribution. And they got incredibly egotistical about what they could do and what they could accomplish. They didn't, they never believed that American energy companies would stick it out and that they would capitulate. And just like the Republicans capitulate to the Democrats historically, when America didn't shut down its fracking industry and, and, and continued to drill more and more oil and to begin to compete with them in the world markets, their whole business model of power and influence collapsed. And they'll never get it back. Yeah. Alive. I, I actually was there in the 70s, and I remember Jimmy Carter wearing a sweater, uh, giving, mm-hmm. his, uh, giving, yeah, giving his talk and telling everybody to turn down their heat. You know, that was, uh, that was the big yeah. response at the time. Do you, do you also remember, in addition to that time, since you said you were alive at that time, do you remember the Iranian, the Iranian hostage problem that we had with 47 oh, yeah. Americans? 
So here we are. Yeah. Here we are. All these presidents later, and what are we still doing? We're still mucking around with Iran trying to to control the world. And and as he's done with China, as he's done with Kim and North Korea, the 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 Europeans, the Canadians, and the Mexicans, he's saying, look. No more. It's not going to happen that way anymore. At least as long as I'm president, the rules are going to change. And that's what the world is reacting to is the fact that Donald Trump is saying publicly, it ain't going to happen that way anymore. And what's happening is we look at what happened. The trade, the trade representative for the EU was in Washington last week, and they're talking about really talking about the possibility of free, no-tariff trade between the United States and Russia, the new socialist president of Mexico is here, now saying here, he would know, like to sit down. Yeah, and here's the thing about that guy. Here's the thing about the new Mexican president, and I don't want to get too off topic because this is a whole other topic, which we could get into at a different time. Believe me, we will. But this new Mexican president is completely oppositional, completely stubborn. He wants to quadruple the amount of illegal immigrants across our border. He wants to mess with Trump. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he announces that he's a socialist, just like the guy from Venezuela. I mean, that's, this is bad news. I'll tell you, this is bad news bears. Um, you know, this is something that uh, is very dirty. Um, but get back to what you're saying, Dan. I'm just, I'm just saying is that – that Mr. Trump, in so many different ways, in so many places, whether it's NATO, whether it's the G7, whether it's uh, dealing with Iran, dealing with, with North Korea, he, he is the kind of person who is, has been able to look and see that there are problems that we as a country, that the best, the best, brightest, and biggest in the world have ignored or refused to address and he's right. saying, no longer. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to I'm going to try and solve these problems. And and yeah. and the Democrats don't understand how he can do that. That it, it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't. You shouldn't be able to put together a summit meeting in eight weeks. It should take years to put together a summit meeting. No, it doesn't. It, as far as Donald Trump says, he says to the staff, "I want to meet with Putin. Period. Make it happen." And they go make it happen. And, and the Russians have a, a problem because they don't know how to understand it, that this is not a way that any other American president has ever treated them. And the same thing, too, with North Korea in the same way with Iran and other places around the world. It's a matter of, there, as, as somebody has said, I can't take any credit for it, there's a new sheriff in town, and it's a sheriff that the world has been waiting to come. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Well, very well said. I, I do, uh, I do want to kind of, I before before we get off this topic completely, um, you know, Valerie or, or Dave, if you want to chip in real quick, but I do want to switch on segments. We, we have about we have a lot of time left in the show, but uh, Valerie or Dave, David, do you have any questions? You have any thoughts? No, he just, when he when he was oh, listening to when he was. When he was listing some things, one of the uh, one of the more interesting folks they left out that he called out was the Germans, 
which is yeah. uh, which was just um, which was just amazing. And there's an there's an energy issue there too. He was tying that whole sure. NATO together with that with that pipeline, uh, and uh, the, putting the, putting the screws to the Russians in in that way, and straightening out the Germans and NATO that way. It's it really it really is amazing. And he's and he's doing the same thing domestically, uh, in in terms of. Where he's going to be campaigning six or seven days a week uh, up to the uh, yep. up to the midterms, he is not uh, he is not going to accept that he's going to the, the conventional wisdom of losing seats during uh, during the midterm election. He's he's just not not accepting that, uh, and nobody I really knows how to deal with any of it. Yeah, and you're and you're you're absolutely right. I the uh, I think that I heard recently really a very important statement. That the reason why Mr. Trump is on the road talking to people, and, and and you're right, sir, that that's one of the things he's trying to do. But the other thing he's trying to do is to reaffirm that the American people wanted him to be president in 2016. And this is their opportunity at the midterm election to say, yeah, we're with him or we're against him. And I think they're going to be with him. So they're going to put, as somebody said, another point or a fine point on the victory. And that's why we talked earlier about how devastating it's going to be to the Democrats when they lose the game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's very likely uh, it could very well be be the end of them. uh, They could go the way of the Whigs. You know, uh, right, right yeah. after this, because yeah. they have no policies. Right, right. The other thing I wanted to make real quick was the gentleman who uh, we were just speaking, uh, just speaking with. Um, he made a point about Trump and Angela Merkel. Again, if you go back and listen to what he said to Andrea Merkel, the other part of the story was, yeah, you could have bought oil. You could have bought oil from us. We'd be happy yeah. to supply you. All the oil and natural gas you need. Yeah. And Valerie, you had yeah. a question. And that was, that, was, that was a message to Putin as well as Angela. You know? Yes. No question. I've been in Germany. I have seen and, and seen those pipelines that run from Germany all the way out to, the, to, to Western Europe. And I, I know how much the people across Europe, 40% of their oil and natural gas comes from Russia. And it's always been a political weapon that Russia has had to turn off the power, to turn off the oil and natural gas. And, um, again, Trump is saying to, to Merkel, why did you do such a stupid thing? Why did you make your country so vulnerable to the Soviet Union? And, anyway, we need to, we need to go on. Valerie, you wanted to say something. And also so vulnerable to the jihadists. I think the whole world order is changing based on the oil and the immigration. And this mm-hmm. is what we're seeing that with regard to Saudi Arabia, um, when uh, Bin Salman is now saying he sees the writing on the wall that oil is not going to be enough for them anymore. They're going to have to have other economic um, sources besides natural resources. They're going to have to teach, you know, they're going to have to have skilled workers and that's, why I think that they're letting women sort of into the marketplace. Um, I don't know how but far that other, will go, but yeah. But but you're, you're right. But but you, there's just one other piece to your puzzle. The one of the reasons I believe 
that the Saudis are trying to make reforms. And you're absolutely correct. They want to diversify their economy away from oil. But in right. so doing, they have to, they have to re- attract talent from other parts of the world. If the talent feels that their wives are not going to be safe in Saudi Arabia or their children are themselves, they're not going to come to want to work there, no matter how much the Saudis want to pay them. If they don't feel safe or free, they're not going to bring their families. And if they, if they, right. and they, they can, they'll go, they, the idea that they think they can go there without their families, not a chance because the wives will put their foot down and that won't happen. So they understand the writing That's on the wall is they have to, divers, have to diversify their right. economy away from oil and they need Westerners to do that. And the culture, the historical culture of the Koran and Sharia law do not fit well in trying to bring Westerners into the Middle East. So they're going to have to change because they need it to survive. If they can, and because they still have old guard there, and there's still not a possibility that, that um, bin Salman will become an Anwar Sadat. That depends on the internal politics of how much the Quran will be, um, how much they can reform. Because there are a lot of people there that don't want to give it up. And they've spent literally billions and billions of dollars proselytizing Sharia law all over the world for the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be mm-hmm. as easy as I think they're hoping. Um, but as you say, they want to have um, they want to have technology that will upgrade their their country, and I think that's why they're getting so close to Israel. And not only that, they can yes. get you know the security from Israel, but also they're on the same side against Iran. And I think the more Arab yes. countries that are against Iran, the better it is for everybody. And, and that's what's starting to happen is everybody's starting to get it together. Um, your enemy yes. of your enemy is your friend. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's looking beautiful against Iran. Right. It truly is. Absolutely. 100%. And I'm going to, we're going to move on segments. Uh, we definitely have a lot more to talk about. But, Josh, before we move on, do you got anything to say, buddy? Honestly, everybody just summed it up, and I was just like Sestokis ah, was saying, it, uh, you know, it was interesting just to sit back and listen to that and learn a little bit. I got nothing else to say. So. Okay. I'm going to have to go right. pretty quick here, Roy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I do want to ask you, you know, your thoughts. There's rumors that um, North Korea is creating – uh, that North Korea is creating more weapons, and you've written about North Korea on several occasions. Yes. And, yes, you know, we know that Trump sat down with Mr. Kim Jong-un a few months ago or a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they came, mm-hmm. came up with an agreement. But now, as of yesterday and today, they are reporting that Kim Jong-un is, has separate um uh, nuclear uh, uh, plants and, and you know uh, fields and, and and places that he's doing stuff that kind of is secretive under the radar. Your thoughts? Well, I think we have to get the facts. Uh, at least, I would say I would want to get the facts as as correct as I know them to be. And I'm not saying I'm 100% correct. Uh, again, we have the media creating hype fear, mistrust of Donald Trump. 
the reports that I have seen, and I spend a lot of time looking at overseas papers as opposed to U.S. papers because U.S. papers don't know how to report the news. What I have heard is that North Korea is continuing to build ballistic missile cases. Not that they're building any new nuclear weapons. They're building... Nuke, they're building the ballistic missiles, um, uh, but I, I have not been able to ascertain how many and how robust the the, the program is. Just that they they appear to, based on satellite images, be yeah. building new ballistic missiles. But but we have to keep in mind, Roy, is that all of the sanctions that Donald Trump's put on against North Korea are still yes. in place. All the sanctions yes. that the United Nations put against North Korea are still in place. Uh, Mr. Trump, I thought, was very uh, open and honest about this was going to be a, a difficult negotiation. Pompeo was there recently and, and uh, believed that things are progressing. Uh, right. And so I... I I have not. I have not had any indication that they are. They're going to pull a classic Korean, North Korean attitude, and that's walk away, because they're continuing to send home the bodies of American servicemen. They don't have to do that, but they are continuing to do that. And yeah. and so uh, that was one of the commitments he made to Donald Trump, literally at, at the end of the summit. So yeah. I think that the discussions are going on. I am still hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. But I really believe that we have to, again, we, whenever we see a story that's attacking Mr. Trump, you've got to always look at the source and question yeah. what is the motivation of the source. Is it reporting right. news or is it, is it trying to create, again, more dislocation and more upset people against Donald Trump? I think the story right. is overreported and overinterpreted. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Dan, I, I know you got to run, um, but I do want to—I do want to ask you, um, you know, before you go, real quick, what do you, what's your thoughts on, you know, President Trump today called for an end. Uh, he called for Jeff Sessions to end the Russia probe, and he said with the words "right now," like literally, because uh, Robert Mueller is just getting ridiculous and more ridiculous, and it's—it's it's going way outside the lines. And, David, we'll talk about this as well, but it's basically going way outside the lines of what they initially were investigating, which was Russia. I mean, Robert Mueller's going all over the place. He's going into people's personal – he's going into Trump's personal life. He's going into anybody close to Trump. I mean, this is, this is like – this is a witch hunt. This is a – any way, like you said earlier, anything they can find to take him down – but we all, you know, I've also said many times it would have already been out by now if there was anything that was going to take down Trump. Yeah, but I, I, I think I, I think that there needs to be a point of clarification here. Um, yeah. Again, misleading misleading of the media. While the Democrats wanted the investigation to be about possible collusion between. Right. The Russian government and the United States, Donald Trump and his campaign, um, that is not the charge that Rosenstein gave to Mueller. 
and the lawyer, our lawyer friend would probably be much more articulate in, in explaining the charges that were given oh, yeah. to the special prosecutor. It was the tax fraud. It was the sixty mil. It was the sixty million from Ukraine with Manafort that had nothing to do with Trump. I mean, and the liberal media is trying to celebrate like Manafort is going to take down Trump. No, it has nothing to do with him. Yeah, but yeah, what, the, I'm, what I'm the saying original is, the, the original charges, uh, as Dan said, is uh, was was much broader than. Uh, than Trump collusion, it was generally speaking Russian interference in the uh, in the election process, which is really right. um, and of course we have this secret August memo that we have no idea uh, what it uh, what it says under which apparently he's uh, proceeding on the uh, Manafort case. Uh, at this juncture, it appears to have satisfied Judge Ellis, but uh, Judge Ellis seems to be uh, running pretty tight ship. He doesn't even. He's now banned them from saying oligarchs uh, and things. He's uh, yeah. I, I wanted yes. I, I wanted to ask the lawyer because and, I, I was real quick. Got real quick. Got real quick, guys. I want to go back and forth on this. I love this, but real quick, I want to say one quick thing about this. It's interesting that the judge originally said they were going to throw out the case because they thought Mueller was just trying to get to Trump and just trying to cause trouble, but all of a sudden, the judge changes his mind. I understand Paul Manafort, you know, the Ukraine thing, you know, there's some tax issues, $60 million, uh, is what I heard, um, but, yeah, but can, can, continue, though. I'm sorry. Well, I, no, I, I, I want to go back to the lawyer. I just I want to step back yeah. uh, and ask a question. It's my sure, understanding that the, that the charge, well, when I say charge, I mean the mission. The authorization uh, that, from, uh, that, from Rosenstein. The yeah. authorization from Rosenstein was not Russian collusion. It was a whole separate charge that had nothing to do with collusion at all. It was a it charge. Specifically. Yeah. And, and so, that, so that what we have is uh, and Roy's right. We we have all of this tangential stuff going on by Mueller, uh, and and I thought that the judge today, in in the in his chastising of the uh, prosecution, and 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 what limitations he put on them, on what words they could use and couldn't use, whether it's oligarchs or whatever. Uh, there are some people who are writing this evening that they're beginning to wonder whether or not Mueller's going to lose the case against Manafort. <laughs> and if he, if he loses the case, this, you see that the, 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 it's, again, I'm not a lawyer. I used to he, tell people I'm only did, a practicing how embarrassed, I mean, how embarrassing. I mean, that would just go to show right there how embarrassing. I mean, I, I, if Mueller is as powerful as he says, you know, but which I don't think he is, and let, let's just say the judge favors Manafort over Mueller. I mean, what's that going to prove about Mueller's character? Well, it'll well, prove quite uh, a bit. Uh, it'll prove quite. It proves quite a bit about Wiseman at the moment more than more than Mueller. And of course, Mueller's right. choice of Wiseman uh, was uh, yeah, was problematic from the from the get go. And the judge obviously is keeping Wiseman on as short a leash as he possibly can, given his reputation for 
presenting false evidence and sending innocent people to jail. And uh, right. I think the uh, the, the judge has, uh, has kept uh, kept Wiseman's uh, history in mind as he uh, as he proceeds and uh, and conducts this matter. And there is a fair probability. It was very interesting uh, that they uh, there was some uh, indication today that they may not call Gates uh, as a witness. Yes, the judge was getting, was getting not on the very witness. very perturbed. Uh, he was not on the witness they, list. Well, he was getting very, very perturbed that an FBI agent was presenting all kinds of documentary evidence, and, they, and the judge said to him, well, aren't you going to have the guy that created the documents come in, and why are we having this uh, FBI agent do this? And there was an indication from the prosecutor. His response was, we may not call uh, Mr. Gates. Uh, and so they don't call they don't call Gates. Uh, they're uh, they're they're do they because all they're accusing him at the moment of being is rich. Yeah, and I, I want to ask you a question, if I may. Um, are you yeah. a trial lawyer? You are a trial lawyer. Yes. Yes. Okay. Per- perfect. Because one of the one of the commentators on CNN this afternoon made this comment: If Gates doesn't testify, and the judge is restricting the language that they can use this particular pundit was suggesting that the, quote, printed evidence should be sufficient to convince the jury of his guilt. And I'm, I'm, the question I want to ask you is, I'm guessing that the, the amount, the kind of evidence, the paperwork is going to be so convoluted and so difficult to follow that the prosecution is going to get bogged down in the minutia of the, of the, of the detail and the jury's not going to buy it. The jury will fall asleep long before, uh, long before they get to anything important. There's no question about that. And there's, there's some, some possibility if they choose not to uh, utilize gates, that in fact uh, some of this will be uh, secondhand uh, things that the judge may rule inadmissible. He may, it may not. It may if they don't call Gates, it may not get to the jury. They may, they may get they may get directed out, which would be even a bigger uh, a bigger embarrassment than uh, just a not guilty having the judge say, "I'm not even going to let this go to the jury." That's, so let uh, me ask you my last my last question because I'm already way past what I promised. My 15 minutes <laughs> anyway, but the, the conversation is so good I enjoy it, but. Let me ask you, um, if there was a dismissal or, the, uh, a, or a not guilty verdict, what is the implication to the, the, the D.C. court hearing? Uh, none. That's a, that's a completely different, uh, different case. There's completely different charges. It's, it's that <clears throat> failure to uh, register under the uh, Foreign Agents uh, Registration Act. Uh, right. So it's so it's a completely different, uh, completely different issue. I mean, it doesn't have any legal implications from that standpoint. But from the from the perspective of what kind of coverage it would get, I don't know that they, they would find a jury that would uh, would convict them on that uh, at that at this at this juncture. I don't know that they would even wind up going forward if uh, if especially if they were to get directed out. Um, yeah. And so we'll, we'll see Because Ellis is certainly hostile to the prosecution There's no question about it Yeah, And, yeah. Uh, and we, we, don't, we don't And of course we don't know what's in that 
this August, uh, the August authorization, the August memo that uh, is the authorization that they're proceeding against uh, Manafort on. At this juncture, only the judge knows, and a pro- I would, I would like to think that uh, the defense knows, but beyond that, uh, nobody knows, and I'm not even sure that that makes that that's uh, that that's appropriate. And there's uh, there's still the there's still the issue about whether or not. Uh, it, it, it certainly seemed like the judge was of the opinion originally that they were beyond the scope, and so we'll see. There's a whole lot of issues that, uh, and they're just they're just keeping. It's amazing to me that they're keeping uh, Manafort in jail. Like they're treating him like he's right. uh, some sort of serial killer. Uh, right. And so there's a there's a lot of things there's a lot of things at play here. I haven't followed. I've, I've read uh, read a lot of the summaries, but. When he's starting to limit uh, what kind of uh, language they can use, how they can refer to uh, refer to people, he is doing he is keeping them on a very very short leash, and it doesn't sound like right. that. It's, it, it it sounds very very problematic, and what it does for the uh, general probe, whatever else uh, whatever else he may have, uh, certainly it's going to hurt them politically uh, going forward. Nobody will believe anything right. else that they do. Thank you for yeah. thank you for answering my questions, Roy. Hey, I got Dan, go. Dan and Dan and David, real. This is very important, and I really want to because we got both of you on the phone, and both of you are probably looking into this because this the Trump call specifically called out Mueller for conflict of interest, um, which which is a variety of different things, um, and there also was at one point. Imagine this. Uh, Mueller wanted a job with Trump. Trump turned him down. A day later, the special counsel started. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother, another issue. If there's anybody that should not be involved in this at all, it should be Rosenstein. Uh, because yeah. Uh, yeah. certainly he, he is, uh, he's, he's, he's a witness. Theoretically, yeah. he's a witness. He's involved in the whole Comey business, and if there's uh, some some legitimate uh, obstruction, which which of course there isn't, there's no constitution. I mean, you can, a president cannot be obstructing justice in the execution of his constitutional duties. The only uh, right. the only recourse for anything like that would in fact be political, right. but not legal. And well, so. I- uh, but nevertheless, oh, keep given what they, keep, what they say, Rosenstein does not belong within – he doesn't belong within the District of Columbia uh, from regarding uh, this uh, this investigation. But, yeah, and if you look at the multiple conflicts of interest, you have so many different people that – Rosenstein's one of them. You have Andrew McCabe. You have Peter Stork. You have all these different people. I mean, what's your thoughts, Dan, on this whole thing? My the, the the thing that concerns me the most is the the release, even though it was redacted, of the FISA warrant request. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rosenstein Rosenstein signed off on the third extension, so he was keenly aware of what he was, I believe, or he should have been keenly aware of what he was signing for a third extension. And as such, uh, either uh, is culpable because he knew that the dossier was fake and and I believe has, has, has 
potentially perjured himself um, in that um, his boss at the time, James Comey, was saying to him that uh, that the dossier was not used as a principal evidence for the obtaining of the warrant where the redacted warrant application actually shows that it was the 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 focus of the entire uh, or focus of the warrant request so the fact that he signed it and i think our lawyer friend was just saying so he's a potential witness uh there could be should be a, a probably a conflict of interest and he should recuse himself. But again, I, I, just let me finish this, and I really got to go. I believe that the reason why Rosenstein and other people within the Justice and the FBI have yeah. been so slow in, in forwarding documents to the oversight committees is that they drank the Kool-Aid now, and, and I'm the one who predicted it, that Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee for the Democratic Party in 2020, and they're doing everything within their power to stall for two reasons. One, one, they believe that Hillary Clinton probably will be the nominee in 2020. And two, if they can stall and allow the Democratic machine to, quote, create a new blue wave that the, the, and the Democrats take control of the House, they get rid of Trump through impeachment, or at least the impeachment process. So I think they're basically stalling because they believe she's going to be the candidate. And so all the stuff that they're not giving to the oversight committees is a function of a definitive strategy to stall, delay, delay, delay to the midterms. And, and, and they may have to capitulate after the midterms if the, if the Democrats don't control of the House. But uh, – well, I think that's the I think, uh, I think I I think their greater danger is uh, is in fact uh, losing uh, losing the tightness of the Senate. They pick up a, the Republicans pick up a few seats in the Senate. and Jeff Sessions is gone. Once Jeff yes. Sessions is gone, uh, it'll be Katie bar the door uh, regarding all yep. of this uh, all this situation. Uh, it's. Uh, Sessions with the hand, with his hands tied behind his back, and because of the closeness of the Senate, the president's not in a position to uh, get rid of Sessions because uh, they delay and delay a replacement. But hey, uh, if you Dan, wind up with a, Dan with a, and Dan and David, Dan and David, when do you guys predict that Sessions will be fired and gone? Because that's Trump's specialty is firing people. My January. belief is, and I've written about. Well. I, 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 I'm not as, as, as that specific, but I believe, uh, I, I, I think it's possible that if the midterm elections go the way I think they're going to go, that the, in fact the Republicans are going to pick up more seats in the House, the Democrats are going to lose more. Yep. The Democrats are going to lose seats, and I suspect that the Senate count for Republicans will be somewhere between 56 and 58 once those elections are certified in, in towards the, the middle, towards the end of November, I would fully expect Jeff Sessions to resign before Christmas. Excellent. What do you think, David? I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll be till after the new Congress uh, gets seated, simply because. Uh, 
at the the way things stand at the moment, if Sessions resigns and there's no no immediate replacement, then Rod Rosenstein becomes the complete acting attorney general. He's the he's, he's the total acting attorney general. The fact that you would have to uh, it would be you would have to wait till the new Senate is seated and you can roll in a new AG very very quickly, not leaving Rosenstein mm-hmm. in charge for any period of time. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I like that. I gotta that. go, Roy. I gotta go. Okay. All right, Dan. Thank you. Um, anything you want? Anything you want to advertise? Feel uh, feel free. Just go at to this point. Just just go to the website danperkins.guru and you see everything Dan Perkins. Thank you, sir. All right. For God bless. Keeping me up. God again. bless. What? what sorry. <laughs> keeping me up What'd again. You, you told me forty-five minutes, and it worked out to be an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. We always we always keep talking and talking. There's so many topics. And by the way, I want to mention to you and everyone uh, while everybody's on the line, uh, the new media uh, empire uh, company website I'm putting together, the Next Gen USA, which I put a lot of money into, and it's excellent technology coding and very fancy. Is going to be done. Uh, it'll be done this week, so everybody will be ready to have their own columns and everything. So I'm very excited about that to announce that. Um, you know, it took some work to, uh, you know, fix some uh, some issues, some bugs, but everything is all 100% clear. It's perfect. Uh, it looks amazing. It's running 100%. Uh, I can't wait to release it and show you all. Good night, gentlemen and ladies. All right, take care, Dan. All righty, Dan Perkins, everybody, and David. I'm glad you're on the line. We got a lot. We got a couple things to talk about. Um, I, I do want to welcome on the line though, who's calling in, leader of Blacks for Trump, Michael. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Bo? Doing good, man. You were at the Trump rally in Florida last night. I saw you on CNN. I mean, I saw you on the video saying CNN sucks. You were giving Jim Acosta a hard time. Yeah, I had a ball ruining his day. He kept asking me why. Why is it that everybody's upset with him? I said because you lied. <laughs> I mean, what kind of what kind of question is that? I think he exactly. wants, he said he wants to talk to me, but I don't think I'm gonna ever trust talking to a person that that is it, that is that insidious. He's an absolute. Yeah. Liar, and he is one of the authors of fake news. So oh, he absolutely is. We had is. a ball. And it he... was about a hundred of us with the with the bikers for Trump. Uh, it was twenty. It was twenty-seven blacks for Trump there, but we had the bikers for Trump. We joined on in blasting um, Acosta. That was beautiful. I had a ball. Yeah. And how many people do you think estimated were there? Well, I think that place held 11,000 people, but let me tell you something. There were people everywhere. I think with the outside, there were so many people outside, it could have easily been forty to 50,000 people there, but I'm not sure because, you know, I know they were all the way back to the expressway, and the expressway looked like it was about a mile back. It was Ridiculous. Boy, I love nice. my, my Trumpers, man. They they really 
showed up. That was beautiful. I love and it. Ivanka I love it. And Eric, Trump, all of them were there. And you're and you're always you know what I notice on TV you're always right you're always right next to the president and you know you you came over here and did a, a huge favor for us and you know you love Joe Arpaio you came to endorse you flew in from Florida to Arizona last week and endorsed Joe Arpaio and uh, you're, you're such a patriot and uh, you're always next to Trump on TV I noticed. Well, yeah, I'm 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 deliberately standing next to him because I want the world to know that um, Republicans and Trump are not racist. And the way you yep. do that is you show it. Some people would say, oh, we don't need to say black in the Trump. And then if you don't do that, Father, the people who are called Democrats or evil as hell are saying stupid stuff like you are racist. And the only right. way to prove we're not racist one to another is right. to party together. You might not realize this, but this is called the Republican Party, and you have the Democrat Party. So whoever has the most people in their party wins, and people follow when they see that a black man is standing next to a real white man, and we're blood brothers and love one another, then other black people feel comfortable because they are told that you don't want to be in our presence. And so right. with us being Trump, it makes it great because when we were with him during the campaign, it was beautiful. They were trying to call him a racist. And and right. what's great about Trump is he always acknowledges us, which is yes. um, the thing that Nebuchadnezzar did not do. Trump is proving that he is Cyrus because Cyrus is not stupid yes. enough not to acknowledge us. Nebuchadnezzar right. did not acknowledge the children of hey, Israel, and he was turned yeah. into a beast for seven years, and that's what would happen. Michael, Michael, we here's what I want to ask. Michael, here's what I want to ask you, and this is very important, and for my listeners that have not heard, and, and I do need to get to David because we do have a lot of things to talk about. I want you to stay on the line. Um, but what I want to ask you, something very important, and you brought up on my show about a week or two ago, you were referring to people as white niggers. What did you mean by white niggers? I, I don't use the N-word. It's not in my vocabulary. But, you know, for the people that did not hear what you meant to say, just so you can kind of clear that up. I'm just kind of, uh, you know, oh, wondering. No, I, I just want everybody to know. Oh, I, I need to clear it up. It's obvious what I meant by that, I think, unless you cut me off and I didn't get to say it. Um, what I meant is, the way they called us nigger in the days of slavery and today, the Democrats, the way they call us nigger, Robert Byrd and George Wallace call white people who are Gentiles white niggers. And what I was what I was really referring to is the fact that black people and white Gentiles are treated discriminatory like, I mean, the exact same way. The people who are Canaanite and these Eastern and Arab Pakistanis who are cats, but not the not the regular cat, the regular Eastern. I'm talking about the one who call themselves the royal nigger. They call like Robert Byrd said, you have a lot of white niggers, and they actually know what they're saying because they 30 percent of all of the hangings in the South were white Gentiles, and um, the way they call Yahweh bin Yahweh a cult, 
and they call Martin Luther King a cult. And now you hear them calling Trump and white Republicans a cult. I mean, whoever believes in God, whoever a Gentile or whoever a regular black man, we are not allowed to have money. We're not allowed to be rich. And we all got the same complaints. I go to I go to the tea party every Saturday, and over there they're saying, oh, my God, there is reverse discrimination. The banks are taking our houses and, and we're supplementing the banks and giving them bailouts. And you go to Occupy Wall Street while I'm, while I'm over there explaining to them how we need to get together with our white Gentile brothers, their complaint is, oh, my God, the banks are discriminating against us and they're foreclosing and evicting us out of our houses. Both of us have the same complaint against the same group of people, but they're so adroit. They got the white Gentiles and the black men fighting against each other about what these little Canaanites like Rockefeller and Rothschilds and all these people are doing to us. So I'm letting you know that the way they're trying to prosecute Trump is exactly what they did to Martin Luther King, exactly what yeah. they did to Malcolm X, exactly what they did to to uh, Marcus Garvey, and every yeah. black organization. They make you look like a, us look like black supremacists, and then yeah. when Trump is in, now they're trying to make Trump look like a, a white racist. I mean, yeah. everything everything is designed to sit, set in disinformation. If you get this right. uh, um, this thing from the from Valkyrie, they got a, a, a paper mm-hmm. out in the Freedom of yeah. Information Act. It, it says that in there, their game, or this is J. Edgar Hoover's actual statement, what we have to do is put in disinformation into black organizations and make sure that we use the media to turn black people and white people against that organization and destroy them from within. And and he and he, and he kept using people of color. Now, what white Gentiles don't realize is, is that when he says that, people of color are human. Human means a man of color because the word hue means color. White Gentiles have color because they have melanin. So he was really talking about white people who are godly because they were trying to stay in control when Valkyrie was created by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who was created by um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt on Rockefeller and Rothschild in their feeble attempt to keep the Democrats in control, even if a Republican wins. So if you notice, all seven of the Republicans who have become president after Franklin Delano Roosevelt have all had the same three prongs of attack from the media and Valkyrie, who was created in 1944. Y'all look that word up. It's amazing. They are called the men in black, and they are foot soldiered by the FBI. And this all was been created in 1944. Today, you guys call it the deep state, but it's really the nobles and the higher ups in the FBI, not the ranking file, because they don't even know what the hell is going on. They're as lost as we are. They use those guys to, to be the foot soldiers for them. But Valkyrie, created in 1944, was designed to keep Democrats in control, no matter what, and they use the same three prongs. First, they're accused of tax evasion, like they did Eisenhower and well every Republican president. Then they hit him with some kind of crime he did. He's a communist or or Watergate 
or but, Iron Man Contra. There's always something. And then when that doesn't yeah. work, here comes Stormy Daniels. They always come with Fair a Fair enough. Hey, Michael, Michael, I want you to stay on the line. We do have to switch segments, but I do want you to hear what we have to say. Um, David, what you know? What I what I want to get to? Stay on the line, Michael, because it's very important. Uh, David, what I want to get to, and, and you're a lawyer, and you 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 know you know a lot about, and you stayed up with the news. Um, the ridiculousness of what's going on with what Bernie Sanders and the Democrats want. They and this is what it would cost. It would cost taxpayers $32.6 trillion, with a T, over 10 years, Medicare for all. I mean, you can imagine the disaster. I mean, you, you probably have studied these numbers and, you know, so, so what factors into it. I mean, we'd be Venezuela. <clears throat> no, no, clearly no. Well, I don't know that we'd be Venezuela because, well, we'd be Venezuela to the extent that we'd have people dying in the streets, just like, uh, just like Venezuela has people dying in the streets. If you're in the situation where you um, wind up with confiscatory taxation, then uh, people are going to quit working, in which case uh, everything will go to go to hell in a handbasket, like Venezuela has done. You know, uh, that's. Uh, you know, I can't even believe that Bernie believes that. The only um, only person that probably believes that is Ocasio Cortez, uh, that uh, yeah. wants to uh, wants to do that. And to the, that extent, I think you know we need to uh, we need to talk about her more. Uh, but to, to the extent that I, I think that people generally uh, understand that we we're, we're learning generally that the American people aren't really stupid. You know, no. and so the, uh, the 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 sales pitch for them, uh, you know, and that's uh, when we were talking earlier with Dan about the Democrats going the way of the going the way of the Whigs and kind of uh, dissolving into uh, nothingness is there's a there's a real possibility of that because they just they don't have any policies. All they do is all they do is call names. Anti-Trump rhetoric. So, yeah, well, it's and and it's been and it's been as Dan was pointing out though that that rhetoric has, it hasn't been uh, limited to Trump over time. It's just that every they've been able to control other people by using that rhetoric. Trump just doesn't yeah. respond to that rhetoric. So that that rhetoric's yeah. not new to Trump. Uh, yeah. But now now it's gotten more vocal because he fights back, and the only way they can uh, the only way they can respond is by you know coming up with a new name uh, or creating a, another crisis. You know I don't know anybody that's uh, studied anything about uh, the, that the whole Cloward Piven uh, strategy that uh, was uh, yeah. strategy, but it's uh, it's the you create a crisis and then you try and make uh, make people come to you for a resolution of the crisis that you created. That's like this. Yeah. Uh, it's just one after the other. That that border crisis didn't exist, uh, that, and actually, nobody. Everybody talks about it. They and they do a lot to control language too, uh, because yeah, yeah. they call it they call this healthcare. None of it's got to do with healthcare at all. It's got to do with uh, insurance and bills and who, right. and how things are pa- how things are paid for. It's got nothing to do with uh, the actual delivery of of care. And, and you know so, what I've always found funny? People know that. David, you know what I've always found funny is that, can, that everybody says Canada gets all this free health care, 
But in reality, the Canadian, a lot of Canadians come down here to get their doctors, the United States to get their doctor stuff done because it's so the healthcare system is so poor up there, like well, lacking, any, any like Canadian lacking. Can pay, any Canadian that can pay cash uh, comes here because then they can get taken care of, and they don't have to, they don't have to wait in line. They don't have to get in the line that uh, the Canadian socialist uh, healthcare system has. You know, yeah. and so that's why that's why that's why the uh, the Canadians uh, the Canadians come here. There's uh, there's a few things that uh, that need to be done, and I know that uh, I know the president's working on some of them, not the least of which is yeah. why we pay why we pay all the costs of uh, developing prescription drugs, and then everybody else around the world gets them true they get them cheaper. There's uh, all kinds yeah. of things, but uh, that's on his plate as well. The, the guys the guy's amazing. And uh, you can bring down the cost of healthcare uh, relatively quickly if we were to pay if we were to pay the same prescription drug prices. My uh, my mom, you know, or, and other folks, they get their they get their prescriptions from Canada because the Canadians pay pay less uh, than we do, uh, and, and yeah. so so they charge us the developmental costs, and then they they charge the rest of the world uh, the uh, production costs. Uh, and so, you know, that's another place where America has been the piggy, piggy bank for the world. And if uh, if that gets squared away, healthcare healthcare expenses will uh, will go down uh, precipitously. But you can't have but you can't have the things that we have immediate stuff. You know, I I get in to see my doctor next week if I want to. You know, and uh, for whatever it is. Uh, and so, so Bernie's uh, Bernie's nuts. Uh, he's uh, Bernie's uh, actually Bernie's crazy like a fox. He, he knows that there's a certain uh, certain portion of the population that does like free stuff that get does get sold yeah. on it and whatnot, and he markets himself that way. Does, I, I can't believe that Bernie believes that this is uh, going to be any kind of real policy. He's just made. He's just keeping himself relevant. I wouldn't even say he's delusional. I'd say he's crazy like a fox. I'd say he's marketing himself. You know, who's de- who's delusional? Delusional is Ocasio Cortez. She she does yeah. believe it. <laughs> you know, yeah. she she does believe it. So, that, but she's been uh, she's been the folks. She's among the folks that uh, Bernie sold on this uh, on this deal, and so uh, he made uh, he made himself a lot of progress. But strangely enough. Uh, I don't think that uh, healthcare was the only uh, only thing that was attracting uh, attracting people to him, and there was a and, and I suspect there was a lot of Bernie voters that wound up voting for Trump because uh, both of them were uh, outside anti-establishment uh, anti-establishment people. They uh, they shared they shared some constituencies. So they, um, they, I, I I saw the projection. I. I out of the $32 trillion over 10 years. And that's another thing that always drives me nuts when I see that. Everybody talks about whatever happens in 10 years. Shoot, we don't pass a, we don't pass a budget. Uh, we always have these continuing resolutions. Nobody, uh, nobody does anything. What's it going to cost next year? You know, and uh, they all, all always talk about uh, 10 years, uh, which is, but it's got to do with control language, which Brings me up to one one thing uh, that Jeff Sessions actually has done. He's uh, directed uh, a change in the language of the Justice Department, and official Justice Department documents are no longer allowed to say undocumented immigrants. They're required to say illegal aliens, which is aliens, yeah. incon- 
in conformity with uh, the United States Code. That's how the United States Code uh, refers to uh, individuals who uh, they refer to them as aliens. And if they've entered the country illegally, then in fact, they're illegal aliens. It's a legal definition. And uh, that's something that really needs to be done. And that's to uh, take back control of the language, you know. Right. And so uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things going on there. I don't, I don't know where you wanted to go with the healthcare thing, Rory. I went off on a, a couple of different places. Yeah, yeah it, you know, it's just, it, it's crazy. It's not that they keep coming up with this dilute. I mean, there's no way in hell that that would ever work, nor would it ever pass. I mean, that's socialism at, at its finest. That's Venezuela style. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, there there's basically no getting a return. There's, it's complete going into debt. Um, I want to get to our last segment, though, after this. We don't have a few minutes left. But, uh, Josh, go ahead and then Valerie. You know, I, I'll be honest. I was, I'd be more interested to hear what Valerie had to say because I don't have a whole lot more to say on this topic, if I'm being 100% honest. But I don't want to waste, don't want to waste Valerie's time here. All right, Valerie, go ahead. Valerie? Hello? Hey, Rory, can you hear me? We just lost power here. We've got a huge rainstorm outside, and I, I'm yeah, I kind of going you. in and yeah, out. I can't hear really you. hear. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? No, Rory, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry, I can hear I can't me. hear. Okay, so Valerie, Val, Valerie cut off. Um, so, you know, David, it all goes back to, um, you know, it, it, it's just it, it's the whole communist agenda. I mean, it, it doesn't stop. I mean, the, the communist agenda is one ridiculous thing after the other, and. You've got Alexandria, I don't even know how to pronounce her name, Cortez. And, I mean, this, this woman, the fact that she won the election versed, versus a establishment long-term politician really gives a sign that <laughs> – People are tired of. I mean, that, that there, there's in some indication there. There's some sort of sign right there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's always been. I'm looking forward. I understand you, you're going to have uh, Judge uh, Janine next week sometime, and uh, she, you know, part of her book, uh, she talks about uh, the American Party versus the Swamp Party. Uh, she says that you know the thing with and, Donald Trump and real wasn't quick, real really quick before you continue, Real quick before you continue, um, let's not forget the person Cortez beat was supposed to take Nancy Pelosi's speaker spot. To, to, at least he could have. He was supposed to. There were he was there was talks about it. But continue. Sorry. He was the, he was second in he was second in line to to do that 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 situation. Uh, was uh, somewhat like uh, Dave Brandt and uh, Eric Cantor in uh, Virginia. Um, yes. Eric Cantor was, of course, the uh, the majority leader, and uh, Dave Brandt uh, took took him out. And so, 
the yeah, so it's not the it's not just uh, right. Republicans nor Democrats. It really is right. as uh, as the, as Judge uh, Judge Pirro describes the American Party versus the uh, Swamp Party, and it's so, so uh, Ocasio Cortez was uh, really I think more of a statement against uh, long term incumbents than it was necessarily supportive of her goofball ideas. It's clear that she has no idea what she's talking about. And uh, I suspect just about anybody could have beat the guy at the time if they worked hard. Yeah. And God bless her, and she Dave, did work hard. She did that kind of lot of doors. Yeah, David, we have we have about a minute and a half left, but I do want to get your last thoughts on what happened today was Trump's sanctuary city's executive order was ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. appeals court rules. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I have not seen the opinion, uh, but and uh, and but but frankly, if uh, nothing the, about uh, sanctuary the, cities is constitutional, so I don't know why they're calling it unconstitutional. There's nothing about the sanctuary cities that's unconstitutional, but that doesn't that doesn't mean necessarily that a, a president can impound funds that have been appropriated by Congress. People, uh, people sometimes mix up the policy with the law. They frequently mix up policy with, uh, with law. Uh, just because uh, the, if, there's, if there's been funds that have been allocated by Congress for certain, for certain, uh, for certain programs, uh, generally right. speaking, the president has the, has the duty to, uh, has the duty to, Take uh, follow the uh, follow the law that was passed by Congress, and to the extent that uh, they would hold funds from sanctuary cities because of their sanctuary city policy, and it's right. unrelated to the funds that they're withholding, you can uh, in fact say that not necessarily that it was unconstitutional, but rather that the president didn't have the authority to to do what he did, which are two different things as well. People right. people mix policy. Mixed policy with uh, with law all the time. I, I right. had a debate recently with somebody that was uh, talking about the, the uh, saying the court made a terrible decision, you know, upholding the travel ban. And I kept saying, and they kept throwing about throwing about uh, all the all the, the presidential tweets and uh, what he had to say about Muslims and this and that. I said it doesn't make any difference. Uh, right. you're, you're arguing about the policy. You're not arguing about the law. And it's yeah. un- very, very unfortunate that people don't understand that there's a distinction. Exactly, and we are we are out of time. I do want you to promote uh, real quick, whatever you. And I, I'm going to have you back on next week as well, like always. You're you're a regular on the show. One of, these, one of these days, we're one of these days we're going to spend some time talking about the, the, my book, creating the Declaration we, we of do. Independence. We do. We're going to, you know you what? Know? We're, we're going to do a we're going to do a whole segment on it. As a matter of fact, I can promise you that because it's it's very good what you have going on with the book you're doing, and I know you're doing a new book as well. So any announcements, uh, real quick, like twenty seconds. We are on a timer, but um, anything you Get have to that. plug, go ahead. Get uh, creating the Declaration of Independence, and if you want to understand the Constitution, I have another book called Constitutional Soundbites. It's got 150 questions and answers, and it boils down the Constitution in 21st century language, not uh, not 18th century language. And I would um, really, really encourage people to understand the Constitution before they start to debate it. 
you know, right. and uh, I, I try and I try and help people do that a whole whole lot. And you can find that on Amazon, and you you can follow me on Twitter at Shestokas, S H E S T O K A S, and uh, put Shestokas into uh, into Amazon, and you'll find my books. Absolutely, David Shestokas, always a pleasure. We 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 love you on the show, and we'll have you back on next week. Uh, God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. David Chistokis, everybody. I want to thank him for coming on the show. He was a phenomenal guest. I also want to thank our amazing guest, Dan Perkins. He did a great job, as always. Um, We will be back with you tomorrow night. We have a huge show planned for tomorrow night that I can't wait to share with all of you. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can also visit rurysodder.tv. You can also visit getyourappbuilt.com. Again, that's getyourappbuilt.com. We will also be having the Next Gen USA. Again, that's the Next Gen USA, my new media site empire, uh, coming out this week. So I'm very excited to share it with all of you. And uh, real quick, Josh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just uh, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y and look for me on the next 10 USA as well. Absolutely, um, and it's always a pleasure. Um, God bless all of my guests. God God bless my co-hosts. Uh, thank you uh, to all my audience. Uh, we will see you all back here tomorrow night. Uh, cheers, everybody. Bye.